Happy Valley, and welcome back to another edition of the Penn State 365 podcast on PennState.Rivals.com. I'm your host, Richie Schneider, joined as always by my co-host, Dylan Callahan Crawley. Dylan, some exciting news this past week for Penn State football. Uh, it is the offseason, so we don't get much of this. Yep. Um, I shouldn't say that, actually, because the portal's been pretty exciting so far. But um, Stacy Collins left. He's gone. He's going back to Boise State. He's going to be their special teams coordinator. And Penn State acted rather quickly and got a pretty pretty damn good replacement in Justin Lustig out of uh, Vanderbilt. So just talk to me a little bit about uh, what they're getting there. Yeah, uh, well, first, that uh, Stacy Collins move uh, kind of surprised, I think, most people. Uh, I, I don't think it was one that a lot of people were expecting to happen this offseason. Collins really appeared to be liking his time in, you know, Happy Valley. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think for him that that was more of just wanting to go home back to the West uh, where he spent his entire coaching career outside of uh, his tenure with Penn State. Uh, and he got a little bit of, a, I think, a title bump with uh, Boise State as well. Um and then, yeah, Penn State moved really quickly, obviously, because uh, Collins left on Friday. Was it Friday? I believe it was. I believe uh, He leaves on Friday, and then, you know, less than a week later, uh, they hired Justin Lustig uh, to be the new special teams coordinator, outside linebackers, and Nichols coach. Uh, this is a, a, a coach that Penn State, you know, has long, I would say, admired. Uh, his name has been connected to openings at Penn State for multiple times now uh i mm-hmm. was told they were you know discussing uh last time last time penn state had a special teams coordinator or in discussions last time penn state had a special teams coordinator opening uh when they hired mm-hmm. stacy collins um and lustig uh and went, wound it up getting a little bit of a a pay raise at vanderbilt got some new job titles and was able they were able to keep him a national at that mo- at that point in time uh, now Penn State, you know, has more alignment from top to bottom from the present athletic director down to Franklin and beyond that. And money isn't an issue for Penn State when it comes to making coaching hires anymore. Uh, are they going to outbid, you know, other pro- some big dog programs for coaches? Uh, I'm not sure, but they're going to be able to hold their own weight when it comes to paying their coaches or paying coaches to come to Penn State. And with Lustig, they're able to offer time. Assuming a pretty nice contract, come to Penn State and be the Nittany Lions, you know, special teams coordinator, outside linebackers, and Nicholas coach. And it's a really good hire for James Franklin. I wrote an article up on Have Valley Insider today, PennState.Rivals.com. Be sure to go over and check that out. If you're not a subscriber, get free 30 day subscription uh, 30 HVI. Um, but uh, HVI 30. 30 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. No, you're but right. um, yeah, Lustig, uh, you know, long has a long track record of success at the special teams coordinator position in a, with Syracuse mm-hmm. and Vanderbilt, which, you know, two lower level programs. He's had great success. Uh, kind of like with Tom Allen, the guy who's had really good success elsewhere with some lower level programs. Now he comes to Penn state where he's going to have a, you know, an almost an endless amount of talent uh, to work with. And the success rates should you, you would, believe should be the same if not better at penn state so uh, this is a really good hire for penn state long track record of success a pennsylvania native a guy who has head coach and experience and a guy that they you know really like for quite a while now mm-hmm. yeah like you said before he uh they basically gave him every job title possible to try to keep him at vanderbilt 
uh, over the years. He got associate head coach, special teams coordinator, tight yep. ends coach. Um, he seems like he's one of the nation's better assistants when it comes to special teams. Uh, he was a Broyles, Broyles Award nominee for the nation's top assistant coach, which is kind of a little unheard of for a special teams coach. But yeah, just looking at the numbers, I mean, 2023 and 2022, uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Vanderbilt's actually just not, not a good program whatsoever. Um, they're not good in the SEC, which means they probably use their special teams quite a bit, yeah. which is a good sign because Lustig managed to get those guys to be pretty damn good. Um, 2023 Ray Guy Award finalist, uh, two-time All-SEC long snapper, and even prior to that, 2018 Lou, uh, Lou Groza Award uh, recipient and Andre Smith. Yeah, at or, Syracuse. Smith's, yeah, that's yeah, Syracuse. And then o- overall, he's mentored 53 different all-conference selections. Yeah. That's that's rather rather impressive. Yeah, and I, must, and I would have to assume that 53 involves some of his <laughs> defensive or offensive work because he did serve as a running backs coach. Uh, a tight ends coach. We we went some of those mm-hmm. already. Um, it'll be interesting at Penn State because he's only spent a couple years of his coaching career on the defensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. Uh, but you know, a lot of these coaches, while they specialize at one position, a lot of them have had you know experience on both sides of the ball at multiple positions. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'll see how he steps into those you know linebacker and nickel roles, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who obviously is a really damn good coach, has a strong track record of success on special teams, but also at different positions. And I, I think, uh, the, I, I said in the article, this is a really another strong card by James Franklin. You could argue that he went three for three on, you know, A, A-plus hires this cycle. Uh, and mm-hmm. Andy Colton, Nicky at the offense quarter, that may be the best OC hire that anybody made this offseason. Uh, Tom Allen, I think that's fair. May not have been the sexy name, but Tom Allen has, you know, t- Tom Allen to the casual is by no means a sexy hire. And I'm not saying it's a sexy hire for people like us either, but people like people who are a little bit more deeper into football, people who watch it a little bit closer, also know how good of a defense coordinator, how good of a defensive mind Tom Allen is. And considering what he worked has worked with in his career before coming to Penn State, there's a lot mm-hmm. of reasons to be excited about what he can do with the Indian Lions. And I think with Justin Lustig, that's a very similar circumstance. Now, special teams is a lot different than defense. Uh, it does seem like special teams, you can find success almost anywhere despite the brand. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, with those other position groups, he's going to be coaching. He's going to be able to go out recruit to a higher level than he's probably recruited in the past because he's going to have that bigger brand name on his, you know, on his shirt. And uh, I think he's going to have success on the recruiting trail, both with special teams and both as a secondary recruiter for uh, other prospects and positions. Yeah. I was looking through some of the the guys he's helped recruit over the uh, past couple of years at Vanderbilt. Um, Cole Spence, pretty damn good tight end Whit Edwards. Um, Bryson Coleman, like these are just some notable names, and and they're in the higher echelon of the recruiting rankings as well. During in their yep. respective recruiting classes, um, going back to uh, him as a coach, though, I wanted to point this out. Uh, his unit was one of twenty programs last season to block multiple punts. Yep. So I I wonder if you're going to start since they they don't really return punts anyway. I mean, yeah. when Hardy started getting a little bit more 
out there as a punt returner, kick returner. They, they obviously go back to returning. But for the most part, I would send the house and try to get some, a couple more blocks. So I'd be interested to see how that works. He also turned um, Hayball, the Vanderbilt punter, into what most are calling Vanderbilt's best punter in school history. Um, he's an Aussie guy, too. So I'm really eager to yeah. see what he could do with Riley Thompson this year because yeah. Riley, what, last year finished second? Yeah, Riley, um, Riley, had, Riley had second all time in single season. Yeah, he had some ups and downs, you know, those first few weeks. But after maybe mm-hmm. that whiteout game, Riley Thompson was one of the best punters in the entire country. Uh, and, and I think, you know, the sustained success Penn State has had at special teams now uh, is is mm-hmm. quite impressive. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he can do with Riley Thompson because Riley Thompson's already a really good punter. Uh, and, obviously, he's worked with uh, similar styles of punting uh, since kind of the mm-hmm. Aussies all kind of punt kind of the same way. Uh, yeah, for the most part. So yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do with that. He's obviously been doing a lot. Uh, he's doing. He's done really well with punters over his career, but also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do with Chase Meyer or Sanders Haydeck or uh, Ryan Barker because Penn State is has that big hole at kicker uh, now with Alex Falcons gone and Alex. You know, yeah. we we didn't know what to expect from Alex Falcons. Uh, coming into last year because at Columbia, like he, and he would be the first to admit it. He really wasn't that good. He, he said to us after one game, yeah. doesn't know really what coach Collins saw that made him go. I want this guy to come in and kick for us. But coach Collins, you know, saw something in Falcons. He came in and he became a really good kicker for Penn state, put together one of the better kicking seasons in Penn state history. And, uh, Mm-hmm. that's going to be a big hole to fill this upcoming season. So I'm excited to see what he can do there. He has, you know, a, a pretty good group of talent there to work with as well. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how this works out for Penn State uh, this upcoming season. But uh, it seems like a pretty good hire on paper, almost a home runish type hire, um, if, if not a triple at the very least. So. Yeah, I, 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 I very – Rarely use the word home run hire, but it, it's very, if it's not a home run hire, I think it's very close. And I think it's obvious yeah. that he was their number one choice considering how fast this came together. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, looking at other things around the football program, uh, it does sound like the transfer portal is closed now, other than grad transfers who could still enter technically. Yeah. Speaking of grad transfers, I, I don't know if Keandre Lambert Smith did graduate or not. But I, I, looking at the student database, it still lists, lists him as an undergrad. So maybe he didn't graduate. So it sounds like he might be back. Yeah, I mean. For t- time being. <laughs> yeah. This was a guy, obviously, this offseason we were watching um, about whether he was going to enter the transfer portal, try something new, go on the draft, mm-hmm. or stay at Penn State. And, yes, there's things that Lambert's, Keandre Lambert-Smith have to, has to work out. Uh, mm-hmm. But. I, I think Penn State would be very excited to have him back next season. Uh, this is still, uh, you know, in terms of pure potential, he has one, some of the most potential on the entire offense. It's just he hasn't been able to consistently put that together, whether that's due to on the field or off the field issues. Uh, that's something he's mm-hmm. going to have to work out this year. But, you know, if they lost Kendrick Lambert-Smith and brought in Julian Fleming, it would be, you know, a okay, I guess, one-for-one one trade. But now that you have Julian Fleming and you have Keandre Lambert-Smith, 
looking very likely to return. And he tweeted yesterday out about Happy Valley United, which is, I think, a pretty good sign that he's back sign. for a full number of season, barring some sort of surprise in the spring. Mm-hmm. Now, you, now you have two, maybe, is Julian Fleming a true number one type wide receiver is going to be the question we ultimately answer. But I think you have two guys who could be really good wide receivers. Maybe they're not true number ones, but two guys could be really, mm-hmm. two really good wide receivers that lead that wide receiver room. And I think Fleming's leadership and his ability, what he's bringing in from that Ohio State wide receiver room is going to be big. Uh, you got two really mm-hmm. good guys there. You got Harrison Wallace, who, if he can stay healthy, has shown plenty of ability to be another quality weapon. Though I do think Penn State needs to add another. Though, I guess what I'm getting at overall is losing KLS here would have really, I think, been a setback for Penn State in that wide receiver room after adding Fleming, uh, just because you're kind of back where you started. You had you would have Fleming mm-hmm. and Harrison Wallace and a bunch of unknowns. Now you have yeah. Fleming, KLS, who up until the last three games was among the top wide receivers in the Big Ten in terms of receiving yards, and now mm-hmm. Harrison Wallace on, on top of that. So you got three guys I think you can trust, though I think you still need a fourth guy, whether that's a starter or a, you know a, a top rotational wide receiver to bring in after, during the spring transfer portal window, uh, mm-hmm. just because you got to get some. I, I think you have to get more proven commodities in that room if they want to have success next season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one unit I want to talk about before we shift over to basketball. Uh, it's been a kind of a little bit of a debate on our message boards on, on the Lions Den forum. If, if you're not on there, check it out. Like uh, Dylan said before, promo code HVI30 gets you a free 30-day trial. If you don't like it, cancel it after 30 days. Um, but definitely check it out. Um, big debate going on about what the offensive line is going to look like next year. So I just I want to hear your early prediction from left tackle to right tackle, what you think it's going to look like, because they are replacing three starters. Yeah, so if I had to guess, and I was actually just talking with uh, Marty and Anthony, also the PSU 365 podcast the other day, about what we thought this was going to look like. Uh, so let me actually mm-hmm. bring up what I uh, wrote there. Um, I feel like everyone has a different opinion. Absolutely, one, especially at the tackles. Absolutely. So I think I think at left tackle there, it's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see Drew Shelton and uh, Nolan Rucci probably compete for that starting job. Um, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if both end up playing. Uh, and then left guard, I think JB Nelson's going to step back into that uh, left guard role. Uh, for the Danny Lions this year. Center is where it gets in- interesting because you have a couple guys who can play that center position. Uh, you have Nick Dawkins, of course. Uh, you have uh, Olavega Ione, who could play mm-hmm. that center position. Uh, and I believe Warmly also, if needed, could slide into that center position as well. So you got three guys there who can mm-hmm. legitimately snap the ball. Not to mention, there's a 2024 signing named Cooper Cousins who may just be too good to keep off the field next season. Um, so, yeah. I mean, you got four guys. I think the center position is really the biggest question because you can mm-hmm. go so many different ways, and depending on who you put in that spot, it kind of shifts everything around. Um, but let, let's say right now it's it's Iona. So Sheldon Nelson, Iona, and then right guard uh, Sal Warmly 
is returning. He's going to take over that starting job. And I really think on that right tackle spot right now, Anthony Donka probably has the upper edge uh, based off everything we've heard this uh, through last season, uh, based off his development. Mm-hmm. And then during the ball game, he played extensively at right tackle. Javen Williams will also, yeah. uh, Javen Williams will also get a chance to compete for that right tackle spot as well. But those two, I think, are uh, who is to watch at that uh, right tackle spot. Uh, and then, I mean, in, in that two deep, uh, guys who will be uh, playing, I'm sure, Alex Birchmeyer, uh, yeah, Cooper Cousins, Nick Dawkins, as we mentioned. Uh, so yeah. that that's how I see it right now. If I had to guess, it would be Shelton, Nelson, Ione, Warmly, and Donka. Okay, fair enough. I think um, <clears throat> Cousins sounds like he's probably going to get a bump in the rankings and on the latest update that's coming out next I, week after. I, I will say, uh, and 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 I think our guys do a pretty good job with our rankings, but I'm not sure there's mm. many linemen in the country that are better than Cooper Cousins. Uh, he was very impressive yeah. throughout uh, that entire week down in uh, San Antonio. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I think I think Penn State's getting a really special talent with Cooper Cousins. I think he may have the highest floor of any prospect they signed in that cycle, and I think he's a guy who, I mean. And we probably probably said the same thing about Landon Tankwell, but as long as Cooper Cousins stays healthy, I I don't see how he's not a you know at least a two year starter, if not three year starter for Penn State and the NFL Mm -hmm. in a couple years. Yeah, currently sitting at two fifteen in our rankings, but like I said, expect a pretty significant bump for him after that impressive week at uh, the All American game, All American practices. Um, Now, is there any shot that Rucci could play? uh, Right tackle. I know he's only played mostly left tackle for Wisconsin, but is there any shot he'll he'll fight off uh, or fight against Donko? Uh, I'm sure they they they'll you know try a little bit of everything out uh, just because you need to know if you have that versatility or not, right? So uh, I'm sure they'll mm-hmm. give snaps of both uh, both sides of tackle uh, in spring and mm-hmm. in the fall as well. And uh, but yeah, I, I would see why not. He couldn't push Donka as well on that tackle spot. Ben stayed. Uh, you know, it has shown that they're willing to move their tackles from side to side in the past. So, for sure. Yeah, definitely going to be something to watch. Um, a lot of debate on that one, like I said, on our message boards. I know everyone has a, a different opinion. Uh, someone even benched J.B. Nelson at one point, which I was like, I don't know about that one, but sure. Yeah, I don't see J.B. Nelson again bench anytime soon. He was pretty good for Penn State when he was on the field last year. And they missed him in yeah. that uh, in that. Peach ball. Pause. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, switching to basketball. Huge win for Mike Rhodes in Penn State yesterday. Probably, uh, I shouldn't even say probably, it is his biggest win so far yeah, since taking over the program. First statement one. De- de- yeah, defeating number eight, or no, number eight, uh, number 11, Wisconsin, at home yesterday. A game which I didn't expect a big crowd, but it had a decent crowd, all things considered, based on the the snow and ice yeah, and whatever. Well, considering the weather and all the issues that there <laughs> there was, uh, that was a pretty nice crowd, good student section crowd as well. And uh, the, the, you could feel the fans, uh, even through the television, you could feel the fan fans sweating that one out with uh, Mike Rhodes and the team, mm-hmm. which Mike Rhodes said after the game is what he wants the fans to do. He wants them to be sweating with them, and uh, they sure were sweating last yeah. night. But I mean. Yeah, that was a really impressive win. I mean, they led for all but 17 seconds in the game. Uh, that 
I said this on uh, an interview with our our Purdue sister site on their podcast. But recently, even though it has not led to much success, I feel like the last few weeks you've seen the culture that Mike Roach is trying to instill in this program pan off. Mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see that culture come through in the games. There, This is not a perfect team. This is not a perfect roster. There's holes on this roster. No, they're, I mean, where they're going to struggle the rest of the way is that they are just – they have very limited size, and they get dominated mm-hmm. on the boards night in, night out. They they got dominated on the boards against Wisconsin. Uh, you're not gonna yeah. win. You're not gonna lose the rebound battle by double digits and win most games. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're seeing that scrappy play. Uh, you're seeing that resilience starting to come together. And that was something that Mike Rhodes talked about. That this was probably their most resilient effort. Uh, concerning all the circumstances. They had big leads in this game. They had two mm-hmm. double-digit leads. Uh, and then, you know, with under seven minutes to go, Wisconsin goes on an 8-0 run to take the lead. In past games this season, that's where Penn State kind of folds, and, you know, they never really are able to get the ball back, or sorry, never able to get the momentum back, and Wisconsin kind of just run, runs away with it over the last few minutes. But uh, after that mm-hmm. 8-0 run last night, they came back right away, we took the lead, and it was tied for a few seconds later in the half uh, with a few minutes left to play. But then uh, they got a dunk and to take the lead again and never looked back at that point. So that was a really impressive win against a really good Wisconsin team uh, and one that doesn't lead to you know a miraculous run down the, sh- down the last month and a half of the season. I don't think so, but... As they were saying on the Big Ten Network last night, this is a Penn State team that when you go into State College, you go into Happy Valley, is going to be a tough team to beat the rest of the season. They they like playing at home. They like playing in front of the home crowd. And they're a scrappy team that's, you know, they know their weaknesses, but they know where their strengths are and they know what they can do. And we, we mm-hmm. saw that last night. We saw a team playing with a lot of confidence. Yeah, for sure. Um, the backcourt, it's specifically uh, 47 points out of Baldwin and Clary. Um, <clears throat> although Clary didn't hit a three, so those 27 points mostly came from legitimate, like two point field goal attempts. Um, five free throws for him. Uh, Nick Curran is inserted into the starting lineup, which was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, he's been he's had a hell of a little run, uh, back to back to back games with double digit scoring. Yeah, he's been playing really um, good. He kind of does a little, yeah, he does a little bit of everything. Now, he did get into some foul trouble yesterday, and I shouldn't say more than trouble, I guess he fouled out. Um, but a lot of guys got in foul trouble, actually. Wahab, Baldwin, they all both had four. Uh, Kern, who I just said, had five. And then Zach Hicks. Like I, I know a lot of people kind of criticize Hicks um, because he, he's inconsistent. Yeah. But even uh, Rhodes said it in his postgame. He said, like, I, I trust the guy. I trust him out there. He's a great player for us. Kept him in the starting lineup, and he, he had a pretty good yeah. game. Went three of six from three, and that was that was all his buckets. But that's uh, that's what he is. He's a streaky three-point shooter. And yeah. And- my philosophy personally with three-point shooting is you got to let them shoot out of a slump. Yeah. Get them out of that slump. You just got to shoot it. And just eventually they'll start falling and your confidence is up. And look at them yeah, now. It's, Third in the team is fourth in the team. I could, same thing could be said about, you know, Ace. Ace, you know, uh, has had an up-and-down season, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. There's some games where he's really good, like last night, seven for 11, four for five and three. Yeah. Um, and then there's some nights where he just he can't buy a bucket. Uh, last night it was obviously the the first where he was unstoppable, and so was Kanye as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, and I, I think it was Ace who was talking about it and just said, you know, uh, it, yeah, everybody kind of gives each other confidence that you're going to break out of that slump. You're going to get it going again. And, uh, yeah, like you said, you guys got to shoot out of those slumps. And, uh, it the, even though Zach Higgs didn't have any points in the second half, those nine points in the first half were pretty big for Penn State at the time. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that him getting going is very important for them going forward, obviously. Uh, what I think was just incredibly, incredibly fun to watch was how Ace and Kanye took over in the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. They had 47 combined points, and in the second half, they had 32 Crazy. of those of was a 47 combined points. Uh, they shot 12 of 17 mm-hmm. in the second half. Uh, Ace was three for four uh, from three-point range in the second half. Uh, really, really impressive effort from those two just to take over that mm-hmm. game and will Penn State to, to a victory. Because if either one of those mm-hmm. guys, you know, slips at all in that second half, uh, Penn State doesn't win this game. So that was really, really impressive to see those two guys take over. And Kanye Clary, I'm not sure there's – many guards in the country better than him right now. And, well, yeah. I meant to say in the Big Ten, but in the country too. I mean, he is mm-hmm. truly dominating game in and game out. And that's, I mean, I don't know what the rest of the season holds for Penn State, but Penn State fans should be really excited about the program going forward because of what development we've seen out of Kanye Clary in this first mm-hmm. year under Mike Roach and his coaching staff. Yeah. Now, a couple of things I want to hit on before we uh, before we sign off today. Uh, number one, you, you mentioned it before, the rebounding still needs to be fixed. I don't really know how you fix that because you you just don't, like yeah. you mentioned, uh, like you also mentioned, they don't have the roster. Yeah. They don't have the guys out there yet. Demetrius Lilly did a little better on the rebounding, but he struggled a little bit on the defensive yep. end, whereas Wahab did better on defensive and struggled with the rebounding and also got fouled. Lilly played a so, high minutes uh, yesterday as well. Yeah, so um, in- intrigued to see if he does more going forward. Um, I think if he's the better rebounder of the two, you might have to sacrifice a little bit of that defense for more rebounding because you got to get on that glass. Um, four offensive rebounds in the game is, is kind of ugly. Yeah. Like I shouldn't say kind of. It is it's brutally ugly, actually. And, that's, and two of them came from Lillie. That's well, be- <laughs> like, well below their average for the season. They're averaging 10 offensive mm-hmm. rebounds per game this season, which ranks – 229th in the country they're only averaging 32 total mm-hmm. rebounds this season which ranks uh 340th i'm not i forget how many college basketball teams there are in the ncaa or in division one 367 yeah so uh, like 340 is certainly not good but i mean it, yeah. it all comes back to roster construction you look at that roster <clears throat> cutest way have has been pretty good all things considered but mm-hmm. favorite I, Iyer, Iyer, we always butcher that one, um, has barely yeah. played. And Demetrius Lilly mm-hmm. has uh, played here and there, uh, but hasn't had an extensive run. So, I mean, that gives you mm-hmm. um, one guy who's above six foot eight, uh, above Johnson, is at is six eight, 2.9 rebounds. Uh, Zach Hicks, 3.1 rebounds. He's six seven. They just don't have the size to compete with mm-hmm. some of the bigger forwards and centers in the Big Ten. Yeah. I don't expect much out of Hicks rebounding wise. I think he's just that that three right, point specialist right. for you almost. I mean, there's second uh, Wahab, Wahab though, like two rebounds, man. Like I need I need more. Out yeah, you need him. You need him to be. You need him to be physical, and got, you need him to play with that attitude that like I'm going to go up for that rebound. Nobody else has come down with it. You, you got to 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying throwing elbows and stuff, but you got to go up there, you know, not scared of you know some contact and be physical down yeah. low, going for those rebounds. Uh, yeah, but you look at the rebounds. I mean, I mean their next best rebounder is Nicholas Kern with four point four. Uh, and he had one yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, I, so I don't think there's any quick fix to the rebound issues. I think when it comes to rebound issues, mm-hmm. it's simply just going to have to come down to roster construction. Well, good news is is that help is sort of on yep. the way next year with Miles yep. Goodman, who's number 78 in the country, 6'10", 205 center from so- Southern California Academy. Um, he's going to be a stud for them, and I'm very excited to watch him play for, uh, for Penn State next year because he might be just slotting into the starting lineup from day one, to be honest with and you. And this is also a uh, – this is a, a Penn State team that has, I think, seven seniors on it. Uh, I don't know how mm-hmm. many of those guys have, you know, an extra year of eligibility, um, but yeah. um, there's going to be, there's definitely going to be some roster turnover uh, this offseason as well. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be able to go back in the transfer portal and uh, address some of those needs there as well. Yeah. Very intrigued to see how they kind of fill the roster out next year. And I'm probably looking way too far ahead saying next year, but I know um, there's been some talk on social media, specifically from our friend <laughs> Zach over at the Locked On uh, Nittany Lions podcast. I saw him tweet out last night, and he's like, is this a tournament team? And I'm like, all right, well, let's relax. I'm looking at this this quad record right now. It's one and three, one and four, two and one, and yeah. five and one. That Q4 loss is it's- brutal, brutal for tournaments. And then you have a Q3 on top of it. It's it's not looking like a tournament. No, yeah, and it's just you look down at the rest of the schedule, and there's just not many easy games remaining. On the, There's no – I mean, the worst opponent no. on this schedule may be – Indiana or Rutgers, I mean, yeah, and because uh, I mean, Ohio State is pretty good. Uh, Minnesota has improved from last year. Uh, Iowa's solid, Northwestern solid, Michigan State. Who knows what you get at Michigan State any given week or day? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nebraska's better, Illinois is better. So, I mean, they could, it's one of those things they could lose out, and I wouldn't be surprised. They could win another three, four games. I wouldn't be surprised, but I mean, mm-hmm. even to get to an NIT, they probably have to win what eight more games. Yeah, at least. probably at the very least. Uh, how many wins they have? They're nine and nine. One, two, three, five. Yeah, and I'd say six, sixteen for a Big Ten team might sneak you in. Yeah, but um, seventeen will probably get so you. So even in. if you're in the um, sixteen, that's another yeah. you know seven wins. Uh, I just. It's hard to find seven more wins on this schedule for Penn State when there's only twelve games. Like, are they really going to go what seven and five for their last? Uh, it's more than twelve games, but whatever. Uh, yeah. But uh, are they really going fi- to be able to find seven more wins to get to an NIT? It, it's it's hard to see with this schedule, but I don't think that means mm-hmm. that they're not taking the right steps forward. I think they are. I think this has a chance to be a good team next year. But yeah, they, I think there's still maybe too many holes on this roster right now or in their game to mm-hmm. really put together that type of run. Well, like, like we said before, it is a rebuilding year. It's year one under Mike Rhodes, so you got to give him some time. But uh, he does have some good wins now. Ohio State, yep. Michigan, and Wisconsin are all really good wins in the Big Ten this 13 year. 13 games left, uh, even by if, the way. So they'd have to go yeah. 7 and 6 over the last 13 to even get to 16, which will be mm-hmm. would be incredibly tough. 
Yes, uh, especially based on projections. I'm looking at Bart Torvik right now. Um, it has them winning three more games on the year, and that would be Minnesota, Indiana, and Maryland, which are all home. Mind you, I think they could beat Indiana twice. I, I think 14 wins is probably where they're going to be sitting when it's yeah, all Yeah, I think that 13-14 is – And then the Big Ten tournament. Is, is, and, yeah, I mean, I think all you're looking for is – down the stretch, not to get dominated on a daily basis, uh, you know, go out, mm-hmm. give competitive games. And that, and for the most part, they have. They're two, yes, they have lost big to Michigan State, lost big to Purdue. Those are two teams mm-hmm. that I know Michigan State's been up and down this year, but if Michigan State made a run to the Final Four, nobody would be surprised. Uh, Purdue, yeah. as long as they don't choke to, you know, another 16 seed. 15th seed should be a final four contender this year as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But the rest of the way, as long as they, you know, stay competitive, I think that's the biggest thing going forward. Just stay competitive in these games. Yeah. Give yourself a chance to win some of these games because that's how you're going to pick up some of those extra wins. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think 13, 14 wins is probably where they end up. And then if you can win a game or two in the Big Ten tournament, that's a, that's a good momentum builder going into a, next season as well yeah for sure um any final thoughts before we sign off on this one i know we'll have a couple pods later this week one on the junior day visit coming up this saturday and as well as a wrestling podcast as well previewing michigan michigan state yeah nothing really else to add just go over to have valley and uh sign up for a free trial uh hvi 30 um Check out our message boards. We have lists for this junior day and the next two junior days as well. Two. Uh, So got plenty of content going up there. Going to get back into our Penn State season review uh, views as Mm -hmm. well. We have recruiting. We're going through recruiting primers for individual positions as well. So far, we got down quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. We're going to be moving on to the offensive line next. Uh, So plenty of content coming up in the upcoming days and weeks. And, yeah. Go over to have valiance.pennstate.rivals.com and check us out there uh, or uh, over on Twitter at Penn State Rivals. Yeah, and I'm going to add to that rant. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're on YouTube watching us right now, hit the subscribe button down below. It helps us grow the pod, helps us grow it to uh, further Penn State fans, Penn State, Nittany Nation, Penn State community, um, <clears throat> and helps us do more pods too, not just this one specifically, but like I said before, we had a wrestling pod this up uh, this weekend. We've had one every week so far during the season. Um, we also have, we're going to have another recruiting pod. We're going to try to do more of these in the future. Um, but yeah, for, for me and Dylan, this is another episode of the Penn State 365 podcast signing off.